Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. You ever heard of the expression, being in the zone? We've seen a lot of athletic competition been watching the Olympics, some of those performances were competitors, world-class competitors that even for them in their specific expertise were in the zone in their competition. Does it just need to be sports though? And it can be a long period of time. Michelangelo was in the zone when he painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Beethoven was in the zone when he wrote the Fifth Symphony. My wife was in the zone the other night when she cooked chicken enchiladas. They were primo. What I want to talk to you about is being in the Jesus zone. I mean, being in a place, living the kind of life where the God of heaven, really his opinion is the one that matters, right? Where the God of heaven looks down at your life as you are living, as you are serving, and he says, wow, did you see Ron? He's really in the zone today. living in the Jesus zone. Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. I'm going to have to fly through the opening set up here, but I want to give you an idea of the context. Beginning in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. And Luke wrote, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Pause right there for a minute. That's living in the zone right there, in the Jesus zone. And Jesus Answered and said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You see, the lawyer had the right answer. He had the right head knowledge of God's plan for life, but that knowledge had never made the 18-inch journey from his head to his heart to change his life. He had the verbiage of love, but he wasn't living out the verb of love. Because living in the Jesus zone is about living a life of love. What Jesus does here is he starts with two negative examples before he shows the true picture 
Verse 30, Jesus replied, remember the question is, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Priest and a Levite. Priests and Levites served at the temple. Lived in Jericho. They made their way 18 miles to Jerusalem on a rotation basis to serve their duties as a priest and a Levite at the temple. And it says they were on their way back down. They had In other words, finished their service at the temple in Jerusalem and were headed home to Jericho. Here's the cliff notes on that to try to bring it into our frame of reference. Church had gotten over and the pastor and the associate pastor were on the way home. The prayer meeting had ended and the elder and the deacon, all aglow with the glory of God, were on the way home. And on the way home, they encountered a man waylaid, laying in the ditch, half dead. Then Jesus tells the story of a man from the perspective of heaven that was living in the zone. In fact, his story here, coming off the lips of the second member of the Trinity, the Son of God, the Eternal One, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father, is using this story, putting flesh and blood on truth, bragging on this example to teach us what it means to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. So let's look at that picture. And what I'm going to show you is both what it costs to live in the zone from this story and what the payoff is. I'm going to give you four or five costs and four or five payoffs to living in the Jesus zone. First of all, cost number one. Living in the zone or living a life of love will break your heart. It'll break your heart. Verse 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he, this man laying in the ditch half dead, stripped, robbed, was. When he saw him, he had compassion. Jesus is talking to a Jew. And the Jew hated the Samaritan. They had utter contempt for them. They viewed them and treated them about like they would a dog. And here is a Samaritan on a journey and there's a Jew in the ditch. But Jesus said, He had compassion 
on him. Why would this man stop to help that man? It's hard for us to grasp the cultural shock in that statement. Not understanding the division and the animosity that was extended from the Jew to the Samaritan. But here is a Samaritan who is a despised individual stopping to help because he has a heart of compassion. I think there's a principle here, and the principle is this, compassion flows out of brokenness. Compassion flows out of brokenness. What would it be like to be treated with contempt? What would it be like to be looked on as less than human and yet out of the brokenness of that treatment, understanding what it's like to be in some kind of a ditch in life that preps the heart, if it's pliable to God, to out of that brokenness extend grace and mercy to someone else in the ditches of life. Have you ever been in a ditch? I mean, a real ditch of life. Maybe you're there this morning. There's a man I'm convinced that had been there stopping to help someone else that was there. So, living in the zone, living a life of love will break your heart, but here's the payoff side of that. It'll bless your life. It'll bless your life. You see, in God's economy, brokenness and blessing are woven together in one tapestry. It's the way it works in God's kingdom. It works like this. When you move down to others because you've been broken and you go to meet them in their brokenness, God moves toward you and He in due time, lifts you up. Listen to the greatest example of that in the history of the human race, past, present, or future, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 2, 8, and 9. Jesus, being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. You see, Jesus moved down toward us and God lifted Him up and exalted Him principle of his kingdom. So, love will break your heart, but love will bless your life. Here's the second cost. Love will get you dirty. Love will get you dirty. Luke 10, 34, the first part of verse 34. The Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, wounds pouring on oil and wine. Now just picture that. What is the Samaritan doing here? 
The Samaritan had to crawl down into the ditch of life to demonstrate his love, and so will you and I. Jesus is teaching a principle here. He got dirt on his hands. He got dirt on his clothes. And if we connect with a lost world, so will we. You see, giving the kind of help that people need is going to require us to get dirty. Here's why. It's pretty simple truth. Needs hang out in ditches. It's just the truth of life. Needs hang out in the ditches of life. And we, in order to meet those needs, need to descend into the ditches and be willing to get dirty in the process. Listen, folks. Even if the ditch, you know, sometimes the ditches of life are things that are outside of the responsibility or activity of the individual in the ditch, but quite often we wind up in our ditches because of our own sinful choices. But listen, that does not mean that we have the right because they blew it to blow by the ditch. How many of you have ever been in a ditch of your own digging? Wow. Did you want somebody to come to your ditch to help get you out? First John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's a pretty simple principle, isn't it? You're a Christian, be like Jesus. You're a Christian, be like Jesus. Let me just tell you a story. I think I may have done this years ago, but it's just, to me, such a, a great illustration about somebody down, into a, down in a ditch. A man fell in the ditch, and it was a deep, deep pit with no way for him to get out. And along came a realist. And the realist looked down into the hole and said, hey, you're down in a hole. And then a pessimist came by and looked down at the man in the ditch and he said, oh man, I'm probably going to fall in a hole just like that on my way home too. And then an optimist came by and said, Don't feel bad. I've seen ditches a lot deeper than that. Count yourself blessed. And then a zoning officer came by and said, Do you have a permit for that ditch there? And then a mathematician came by and said, You know, that looks like about a thousand cubic feet of dirt was taken out of that ditch. And then a psychologist came by and looked down and said, And how do you feel about that hole? (laughs) And then a ditch digger came by and said, Hey, that's a nice ditch. (laughs) 
Then a golfer came by and said, man, I don't want to play out of that bunker. And then a lawyer came by and said, you know what, for a small retainer and 30% of the take, we can probably sue whoever dug that ditch. And then Shirley MacLaine came by and said, that looks like a good place for meditation. And then a pastor came by and said, oh, brother, I'm going to pray for you down in that ditch. Then Jesus came by. And what Jesus did was he climbed over the edge of the ditch. And he got dirty all the way down. And he got to the bottom of the ditch and he picked up the half-dead, stuck man and he hauled him back up out of the ditch. Folks, isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, think about the story. Isn't that what Jesus did? Let me explain it as I give you the payoff side. And it is this. Love will not only get you dirty, love will clean others up. Let me explain that. Jesus telling this story said the man was half dead. Listen, a half-dead man is not able to help himself. Impossible. Think about the spiritual reality there. Just talk about my own ditch. I wasn't half-dead. I was all the way dead spiritually. And Jesus Christ came to my ditch of sin And what he did is he got dirty and he got bloody coming to get me. He got blood on his hands and feet as the spikes were driven through his flesh. He got blood on his brow as the thorns were pressed into his skull. He got blood on his back as it was ripped to ribbons by the Roman whip. He got blood on his shoulders and on his knees as he took a rough-hewn beam and hauled it to the top of a rocky road onto a hill. And he got blood on his side as a spear was thrust there. You know what he was doing? He was coming to my ditch to get me out of it. That's what he was doing for you. You see, Jesus' love got him dirty and bloody, but it got me clean. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's your story. Every one of your stories. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, He, Jesus, was made to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You just hear the truth there? Jesus took the road down. Just like it says in our story today, Jesus took the road down, but He took the road down not from Jerusalem to Jericho. He took the road down from the 
crowned to the cross. And He did that so that He could cleanse us of our sin and clothe us with His righteousness. And to cleanse us with our, of our sin, He had to take on our sin and get bloody and dirty. And then He clothed us with His righteousness. He made us clean. And He wants us to go to others and help them find the one who can do the same for them. But to do that, times it's going to require us to get dirty to help them become clean. Here's cost number three. Love will sap your strength. Love will sap your strength. Verse 34 again, Then the Samaritan set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Just think about, again, the picture. Jesus was the master storyteller communicating truth. How hard would it be to get a half-dead man on a donkey? He couldn't help himself. He had to pick the man up out of the ditch, get him on the donkey, and then what did he have to do? He had to walk the rest of the way to Jericho. And what did he have to do as he was walking? He had to keep the man that was half-dead that couldn't support himself on the donkey as he took him to the inn. It was an arduous journey, to say the least. And what happens is that love, times will sap your strength. Because some people are just really hard to help. My wife told me, and I'm really bad at most of the time at jokes, and she told me I need to tell people when I'm going to tell a joke, so this is a little bit of a joke here, okay? So I'm prepping you. <laughs> But some people are hard to help. Like the story of the two Cub Scouts that had a little brother that had fallen into the lake. And they came running back to mom, tumbling into the house, upset, crying, saying, Mom, Mom, little Jimmy will not let us help him. We keep trying to resuscitate him and he keeps getting up and walking away. Right? Some people are hard to help. Sometimes going down into ditches is hard work. And sometimes they don't want our help. Though they need it. Like you did. Like I did. So the cost is that love will Sap your strength, but here's the payoff. Love will give you influence. Love will give you influence. Matter of fact, Andy referred to this when he was talking about the season of service. Listen, by this all, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, John 13, 35. You see, our depth of love will determine our level of influence. See, the, the Samaritan, the one least expected, was the one most celebrated here by Jesus. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this to the son or daughter of God. When we are moved with compassion, God is moved with emotion. 
God says to himself when that happens, hey, do you see Ty? Boy, he's in the zone today. He's in the zone today. Here's the next cost. Love will change your plans. says that Samaritan brought him to an inn and took care of him. That was inconvenient. He had his own business to attend to. He was on his own journey. But he went down into the ditch. He helped the man onto his donkey. He kept him there, took him to the inn, and then he didn't just immediately leave. He took care of him. Ultimately, the story of Jesus, if you read it in the Gospels, he was an interruptible man. The interruptible God-man. He would bring the crowd to a halt that were thronging around him just so that he could find out who the old lady was that touched the hem of his garment. Jesus, while his disciples were making plans and the crowd was making progress, Jesus was making time for little kids to come and sit on his lap. You see, God's plan infinitely exceeds your plans. I know we're busy and we have important things to do, But think about what is important in the eyes of God and the good plans that He has for you to participate in. The people that He puts along your path that are immortals created in the image of God, He put them there and He designed good works in them and through them for you to do. And His plans are better than yours. Far better like comparing the White House to an outhouse better. God's plans are better. So love will change your plans, but here's the payoff. Love will change their lives. Love will change their lives. 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Last payoff, the last cost is this. Love will pick your pockets. Living in the zone of love, times is going to pick your pockets. Verse 35, And the next day he took two denarii and came to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. See, like love comes with a price tag costs, requires an investment to help people out of ditches. But here's the payoff. Love will pick your pockets, but love will also fill your treasure. Love will fill your treasure. Matthew 6, 3 and 4 But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So basically, here's what Jesus said. You give and then God gives. 
Who has more? You or God? Are your pockets deeper than His? I want to give and have God give back. You see, love, when you live a life of love, when you live in the zone of love like Jesus did, yeah, it'll cost, but it'll give eternal treasures, eternal rewards. Then we come to the end of the story, and I'll close with this. Jesus brings it full cycle, and he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to us, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Would you please stand? We're going to sing a song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And I'm just asking as we sing the words that you would be praying the concept in your heart and asking God to give you the eyes to see the opportunities that He puts around you to minister His love and grace to people. Whatever that is, it would open the eyes of your heart, show you how to do that for His glory. Let's sing.